Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. My name is Christoph, and joined with me today is Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Christoph. How's it going, man? It's good. I have a crisis every time I have to start the podcast because <laughs> I, I don't want to channel my inner Jay and go, hey, everybody, <laughs> because, because I know that I'm going to accidentally do like a, a Jay impression, and I don't mean to. It's just, you know, I listen to the podcast. I, I record. I, I do. And yeah. So. So well, I, I think you're that. sounding great so far. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> that. How are you doing this morning? I'm well. Yeah, I was a little, I, I'm not going to lie, driving to Peshtigo from Marinette with a lot of snow flying was a little odd. There was a ton of snow coming down, but there is hope, right? This weekend was a beautiful weekend. Oh and... Especially after a weekend like this one where uh-huh. we actually, we went down to Appleton this weekend. My, my family did to go visit some other family. And I don't know what, what. How, why it's so much warmer down in, I guess they're not by water and it's a little bit further south. Well, they're in like, a valley. It was like 10, 15 degrees warmer. <laughs> it was mid seventies. Oh my goodness. It was so nice out. Yeah. So nice out. Even here it was really nice, but uh, to go from that, to go from mid seventies, I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. I didn't no jacket, just shorts and a t-shirt to, um, to back out here and we're back what is it high 34, 34 right now. That's cool. Yeah. That's it's cool. all right. We'll yeah. be all right. It's but all right. yeah, we'll right. it's okay to, Grumble a little bit, I think. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a smidge. We'll just we'll <laughs> grumble just a little bit. I'm excited to get to record with you. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we were just talking about we're going to get to record the next couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, Jay and Robbie are off. Uh, um, I was going to use a word that I was going to certainly mispronounce, so I'm not going to do uh-huh. it. But they're, they're off at seminary. Jay, of course, teaching. Robbie, learning. And uh, so that means we're we're back here. We get to do the podcast, which means I was thinking about this. Normally, when when we do the podcast, and the heart behind the podcast is to talk to the person who preached and get to hear kind of their heart behind it, maybe what they didn't get a chance to. Instead, you and I get the opportunity to kind of commentate on uh, on on Jay's sermon from Sunday. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. So it, Acts Acts chapter seven, we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of Acts. We're making our way through, and uh, if anyone was worried that we were going too slow, I don't think they were worried. After, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Sunday. that we uh, we were going section by section, like little paragraphs, right? And then we did two chapters, and then this next Sunday we'll be doing another chapter. I'll oh, be is that preaching. right? Yeah, it's going to be, and it's really exciting. I mean, the, the this section of Acts, um, I mean, the whole thing's been a lot of action, but I feel like we really get some scenes. Of, it ramps up, yeah, which is really neat. And this this one from last this last Sunday of Stephen, pretty amazing. It really is. What happens in his trust and dependence and yeah, I, I, I'm, it's humbling, I think, to think of, of what he was called to do and then where it ended. Yeah. Yeah. Because a few weeks ago we, we had talked about, he was one of the ones who they were, he was called, it was, it was Acts chapter six, was it six or five? It may have been five, five. Yeah, oh it my was, goodness, it my was there was a conflict over the the feeding of the widows. Yeah, six, yeah. And uh and then they appointed which is basically like the the, the diaconate. Yep, yeah. It's like the first deacons. Yeah. And Stephen is one of those. Yeah, chose to serve to make sure that everyone was getting a, a share, right? Because the the apostles were worrying about the uh the ministry of the word and prayer and so um yeah, he was one of those who was chosen and I I love how in Acts chapter six, I just circled this as, as Jay was um, preaching through it, that it wasn't as if these these men that were chosen to be deacons were somehow unequipped. 
in the word. In fact, uh, Stephen is described as, if I can pick up it really quickly, he, he was described as being full in wisdom and God's word and that he was actually seized because of it, because he was speaking out in uh, the wisdom of God's word, which to me was like, oh, yeah, of course. This isn't like some sort of, they all loved God's word and they were all practicing this, this um, living this way. Yeah, so I mean, verse eight's a good summary statement of him. It says, uh, so this is Acts 6, verse 8, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And this is what leads eventually to his yeah. basically arrest, because that's not okay, right? That's right. disruption of what's normal and right. the status quo. I love the fact after this, and so and then we can maybe talk about maybe some of the overall things that Jay preached about, but I also love how... Uh, here and then also earlier in Acts, we get not just these like small little little nuggets of of teaching, but we actually get like these like full chapters dedicated to what they what they preached or what they exhorted those who they were talking to. And we get to see this now when Stephen is seized and when he's standing before them, and he he basically just takes all this time. He really digs in as if as if he didn't. If there's any question that he didn't know his Old Testament or his Bible or his his Torah at the time. He's like, no, no, no. He, he kind of flexes on them a little bit with, with his knowledge. Yeah, he basically summarizes everything left of Matthew in our Bible. Right, <laughs> If you right. just go to Matthew and go left, he quickly gives a summary of all that God had been doing leading up to Jesus the Messiah. It's really beautiful. I mean, it's a, such evidence, I think, of God's spirit in him because it's hard to imagine get, being given that assignment. Could you please summarize all yeah, of right, this right. In, you know, under duress? Um, what he came out with was just amazing in his sermon there. But it's a good one, I think, even to, to give a slow read to it. And a, a fun exercise could be to read Stephen's speech and then have a Bible that has the cross-references, the little letters that give you the verses in the yeah. Old Testament that he's yeah. referring to, and read those passages. It, it just gets you up to speed on what, it, what has happened, what was important in the minds of Jesus' early followers that led to his being the Messiah who died yeah. and was raised. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And and that's one of the things, those are one of those tools, by the way, you just mentioned those those footnotes. I think a lot of people don't recognize that in their Bible because we're, we're reading, and, and rightfully so, the words that are in the Bible. If you notice, like there's little footnotes and it'll say, this is where this is quoted from or this is where this is coming from. And, and Acts is chocked full of them, especially this this section here. Um, so, Jay's main point, he he got to it right away. And I loved the fact that he kind of had this like this target, like, hey, this is what Stephen's talking about, and this is the point of this passage is God's faithfulness. Yes. Which I I thought was awesome. I feel like I was thinking about this as I was coming in this morning, how a lot of the sermons I've heard about Stephen, and a lot of times I you, you hear Stephen talked about, he's kind of heralded as the first martyr, right? And and he's get rightfully so, like like you said, under duress, like he um, stands up for the faith, but a lot of times that message ends up being centered on Stephen. And I love the fact that, no, the center of this is God's faithfulness. I totally agree. I mean, this is all about God and his work. And Stephen is just another example of a broken human being who joins in what God's doing. And God does way more than could have been done. Even his response to when he's about to be killed is just evidence of God's grace in his heart and his spirit in him, giving him a confidence that you really shouldn't have. 
if you think about that, it put yourself in that situation, that's not normal. It's all about God and his faithfulness. And that's what he preaches about, right? That how God had throughout history been working to gather this people and take care of this people and redeem this people of Israel. And despite their own failings, despite their own brokenness, despite enemies, you know, that kind of reminds me a little bit about uh, a couple weeks ago when they, when they were arresting the, the apostles and then they, an angel broke them out. God's kingdom will not be stopped because ultimately it's all dependent on him and his faithfulness to us. Before we ever work, before we ever think about taking a step towards his kingdom, he's already been working, right? He's already yeah, been yeah. in every place that we would ever go drawing people to himself. So yeah, I thought that was an amazing, helpful, simple point. It's one of those ones that's easy to say and really profound, I think, to work out into life. So let's let's think about that for a second because it could be really easy to read this and go, well, of course, he's re- he's talking to uh, these, these, these Jewish leaders. He's talking to these high priests, people who have a long history uh, with, with the Torah, with the Old Testament. Um, f- for them, of course, they're going to reference Moses and the temple and the law. Um, and so, so for them, you could go, well, yeah, for, for them, it's really important for them to see how God is faithful. But what is that? What should God being faithful, what should that stir in our hearts today? In, in 2022? That's a great question. I mean, so one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is in the Book of Lament, right? Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yeah. And I know in my life, when I wake up in the morning, especially when it's the end of April and it's snowing, and <laughs> you're really, you're really caught up on that snow. <laughs> well, think about it. That's, that's where I think a lot of us are yeah, right now. Yeah, and yeah. what do I need in that morning to be able to live throughout the day the way I know that God has redeemed me to live? And if, if I don't have confidence that he will be faithful and that he will do things during the day, both within my heart and in my soul and within the hearts and souls of those around me, then I can just grumble through my day. Sure. Or I can just be hopeless and and just move on or distract myself with entertainment or whatever the thing is. But if I'm confident that God really is faithful the way he has promised and that he will be faithful every morning like that, I love the way Lamentations puts it, then I can be assured that no matter what I'm facing that day, he's with me and I can depend on him. I'm curious, like when you asked that, like what, what was in your mind? Like what are you thinking for for how, how we live that out. Um, yeah, I was, it's, it's funny. I have to get this out of my brain before, before I answer that question is you said lamentations. And whenever I'm driving back from Appleton, there is a giant factory that says laminations. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Every yeah. time I drive past it, I go lamentations. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to name a building. And I go, Lamination. Oh, lament. Anyways, lamentations. Um, so faithfulness, what does, wh- what does it mean to be living in light of God's faithfulness in 2022. I I think, um, I guess the first thing I think of is how easy it is to be distracted Mm -hmm. from, from God's faithfulness and to put our, our hope in the, in the, I'm going to air quotes, right? Cause it's not actually faithful, but the, the faithfulness of the promises of the world around us. So, um, you mentioned like entertainment, like, like, um, 
like somehow social media is going to make you feel socially fulfilled or or somehow um, being lazy is going to make you feel restful or um, somehow insert whatever indulgence, insert whatever worldly thing is getting thrown at you, how that is going to fulfill what God has ultimately promised he is going to fulfill if we were to trust in in him, right? Um, and so I, I, I just think of how easy it is in today's world to get distracted from it. But when I read this passage, and so when I was reading this and thinking through it, um, something that, that stood out to me is in, um, in, six, in Acts 6, 11, um, one of the things they charged Stephen with, they, um, it says this, then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And, and, I, and granted, we're reading an English version, so maybe I'm reading too far into this, but the fact that Moses is there first instead of God kind of struck me in the fact that it, it's, it was easy even for, um, it was even easy in that time to be distracted by things that seemed good and godly, right? Like it was, it was, it was even easy to get distracted from God's faithfulness um, by the law of Moses or the temple or... Uh, these things that were ultimately meant to be things that pointed us to the faithfulness of God, but for them it was it was this yoke. It was this yoke that that pointed them away from God. Um, and and so it makes me ask the question: in What things in my life am I am I putting stock in their faithfulness instead of God's faithfulness, which is ultimately faithful, ultimately will fulfill its promises? Um, so I, I think that's where my hope goes from. So um, maybe not to not to continue continue too far on this but my mind immediately went to romans 5 which my brain has been sitting on for a while um but in romans 5 there's this direct connection between suffering and hope right and i I think i think it's really easy for us to the world says suffering pain those are things to be avoided don't like stay away from those do all the things you can do to avoid those things i think it's part of the reason quite frankly why um, addiction is so rampant. I think it's part of the reason why laziness is so rampant. I think it's part of the reason why, um, because we don't want to engage in the hard things because suffering is bad. I want to stay away from suffering. God's word says God actually uses suffering to build character, character to build hope and hope does not put us to shame. And so we're trying to stay away from shame by, by dulling suffering, which, which is there rather than going, Suffering is here. God, how are you going to use this to build me? How are you going to use this to convict me? And how can I turn towards you and grow in you? Um, and so I, you know, I think today, you know, my question is in the areas of my life where I, where there is suffering, where there is pain, rather than how can I dull that and run away from it? How can I turn to God and have him redeem that, build that? Where can I find the hope in that? So um, that's, that's, I guess, where my brain goes. I think that's a great example because that that is life lived depending on that truth. Right. So it, that Romans 5 passage is a great example too because the end of that sentence that you're quoting, I think it says, for the love of God was poured out into your hearts through the spirit who was given to you. And that I think ties right back to this passage in Roman, or in Acts. Because again, the difference between you know just the ordinary human and the human being who is full of God's spirit will be a confidence and an assurance that God is faithful because right. he's done a work in their heart. Yeah. So you can actually rejoice in suffering. That's what Paul is saying, right? 
um, because you, you have confidence that God is faithful. He's going to use that. So it, as you were talking about that example too, it made me think maybe an interesting exercise could be to imagine starting the day and inverting that truth. So what, what would it look like to get out of bed in the morning and for the world not to be a place where God is faithful, hmm. but, but for it to be where God is not faithful. He's, he's unfaithful to okay. his people. And I think if that's, if that's the way the world really was, and that's the way our connection with Jesus was, then we would have um, a lot to do. We'd have to help God accomplish his purposes right? because he would not be able to do that. And he might change his mind. He might be fickle. He might not be dependable. So then, then we really, man, it's really on us to make this all happen, to bring his kingdom in a way that we aren't actually capable of bringing. So I think for me, at least sometimes when I invert a simple, a, a basic truth, it helps me to see um, what might that look like in my life functionally. So how am I living as if God is not faithful? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of scary. It is. Right? Like to, th- to think of that, I, to think of um, God as changing his mind. Yeah. Or or for him not to be faithful. Um, man, my, my brain is just kind of running with that a little bit. And it's... P- Stephen could have never given the sermon he gave. No, he couldn't have. Because you wouldn't be able to look and see, look at how God saved his people over and over and over again, redeemed them. I mean, really do it a whole bunch of times, right? from different enemies and from themselves and from sin and then ultimately in Christ. Right. Right. That's all like foreshadowing Christ's redemption, but we wouldn't be able to depend on all that. All, all that we just celebrated and remembered with good Friday and Easter wouldn't have happened unless God yeah. was faithful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, he, Stephen so rightly then points out that the, so this is where my brain's kind of going. I'm thinking this out loud a little bit. Um, Stephen then goes to point out and show how it was actually the people of Israel who were the ones that were constantly changing and, and how it was God was faithful all the time. And it was the people of Israel who constantly, I just, I always think back to the, uh, the cycle in judges, right? If you read judges, there's this, this constant cycle of, uh, the, 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 the people trust in God, there is flourishing, they're, they're believing in his promises, but then they start to do what is right in their own eyes. And then it just like, gets really, really bad. And then what ends up having to happen is a judge gets raised up and it's usually like really intense. Like it is oftentimes graphic and it gets more and more graphic how God has to deal with whatever situation is going on. And then there's this time of, um, there's again, this time of trusting in God's faithfulness and uh, there's just this constant cycle and the people are always changing, always changing, not, not faithful. Right. And oftentimes these judges themselves have all sorts of baggage that are, that, that come with them as well. And Stephen points out, he goes, you're following in the steps of, of these people rather than following in the steps of, of God, rather than trusting in God's faithfulness, you're trying to rest in the faithfulness of people who consistently failed over and over and over again. So I guess it isn't even that hard to think of, of the inverse because we see it all the time in the world. And that's a scary place. And look at where the world leads. The world leads to suffering that doesn't have hope. It leads to pain that does not have redemption. It leads to all of these things um, that are broken. So that's, that's an interesting exercise. It seems like every time we choose to disobey and sin, it, there's at least a kernel of God is not faithful in it. 
even all the way back to the garden, right? It's like, God's not faithful. He's withholding something that I really do need to be okay. Um, it's never true though, right? So one of the points, so that, so if you think about the points that Jay drew out of this, so God is faithful was one of the, the big ones, like the big yeah. overarching themes. But then if when you get down into the, into the particulars of life and the very specific things that we experience each day, um, the other, another important point that, that Jay drew out of that was the, was basically a question, a reflective question. Do I believe the promises of God? Mm. Mm-hmm. Do I depend upon the promises of God? And that is taking that big truth, like from a 30, 40,000 foot height, bringing it right down to earth where we actually do our living. Because as we live, we're making a choice again and again and again. Do I believe God's promises? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think is really important for us to, to think about is what does that look like? Yeah, because when we think of believe, we're not talking the in our brain, can we articulate a belief? We're talking in how we live, what we actually do, our actions, what do those actually show what we believe? And that's, that's a big, that's a big one, right? Like that's a big, big deal that will reveal what you think of God's faithfulness. We, we oftentimes talk about it as fruit to root. So you take a look at the fruit, what you do, and you go, okay, if you do this, what does it actually connect to what you believe? Um, when you wake up in the morning, this is just an example. When you wake up in the morning, do you believe that uh, whatever your routine is in the morning will kind of reveal what you value? It'll it'll reveal, um, for some people, prayer and scripture are saturated in their morning. I'm not saying that you have to do that. I'm not saying if, you know, your, your prayer and scripture time is in the morning or in the evening or whatever. Um, but, but it will reveal what you value throughout the course of the day. Um, so I love that. I love that point, too, that it, it does kind of fall into and gives flesh to how we live, live those, that faithfulness out, right? Yeah, because those promises, they end up being very specific um, to very specific behaviors and actually thought patterns. So here's an example. Yeah, trying to please. Get specific. Yeah. So this morning I was reading in Hebrews 13. And so this is, uh, I'll read Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Okay. So there's a command to follow, right? Mm-hmm. So a life that's free from the love of money and a contentment. And then he says, for he has said, now listen to the promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, so as a result of that promise, we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So in those two verses, the promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the writer of Hebrews applied that to the love of money and being discontent. Right. So to, to distrust that, that God is going to be there, take care of you, is to be discontent and always running after more. But then he also quoted another passage, Old Testament passage, uh, about what can human beings do to me? I don't have to fear anything. So that promise, he applied it two different ways. The fear of humans and kind of a people-pleasing and even physical harm maybe in that, in that quote, but, um, and to money and possessions. Why do I have what I have? Yeah. So that's a great, I mean, that's a great promise right there. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's one that, you know, Jesus echoes at the end of Matthew, right? When he says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's again, a, a reiteration of that very specific promise that then God wants us to 
depend upon and live out very practically. I love it. Specifically yeah. in our yeah. life. Yeah. That's, that's so good. So can I give an example that I, that Please I thought do. of? Um, so I would, you know, just thinking of promises and in, in how that act actively plays out. Um, I was, I was thinking last week, it, I wouldn't be on the podcast if I wasn't referencing something we did in youth ministry the week before, right? Yes, please um, do. So, so last week in, in youth group, we, we did an ask anything night and somebody asked this question. This was to me, I was like, all right, is this a student asking this question? Because it was a really mature question. And they said, okay, God's love is bigger than all sin. How can we live in light of that? I was like, wow, that's a big question. That's a really good question. And my mind immediately went to confession. Because I think that if we believe that God's love is bigger than our sin, then going to God in confession should never be a shameful thing. If anything, it should be, we should, we should be remorseful. It should break our heart. We, we should be as, you know, uh, we should, we should, our heart should break as God, God's heart breaks over, over sin. Um, but then we should be, there should be a level of joy too in, in knowing that God redeems that. And so I was thinking of James 5. You know, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I was thinking of, of you know, in, in my life, I have found over the course of my walk um, the, the times where I feel like I have been um, most lively in my walk, where I've felt closest to God, where I've, I have... Um, where I have lived under God's faithfulness, I think the best have been moments where I have been in community with other people and I have been in like active confession. You know, a lot of times we talk about accountability, but those are kind of con connected to each other where I feel like I can be honest about what's going on in my life, what's going on in my heart, what, what I'm struggling with, what I am, um, maybe what I struggled with in the past. Um, and they're active people in my life who then can point me to and remind me of the fact that I am forgiven. I am loved. I can walk in righteousness that that does not, um, hold dominion over me that then said God has freed me from those things. And so I think that that's a really important, I, I've just been specifically lately thinking about confession and how um, I think you look at a lot of Christians and denominations and they've set up different avenues for confession and that's, that's helpful. Um, but I think that it just, it, it has to be a, it has to be something in our life because like James says here, it is powerful, right? The, the prayer of a powerful person is effective and it says to confess to each other. It's something that we are supposed to be doing to each other. Um, rather than just being something, I think oftentimes we make it this thing that we kind of do in secret so that way we don't feel ashamed. But if God's love truly is bigger than all of our sin, we have no reason to be ashamed or worry about what the next person thinks of us because um, God's love is bigger than it. It, it just, it is. Um, so I don't know. I was thinking specifically that that's where my brain went to with that, with God's faithfulness and God's promises. Well, that's really, I mean, that's very specific too. That's something that if we don't like you actually, as you were going through the list of things there, all those positive things that relate to confession, his love and his righteousness and cleansing and things, those are all promises. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. like that you couldn't even make a statement about confession and its effectiveness and goodness, unless we knew promises that God had given us yeah, about yeah. it. Like even first, first John one, nine, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is faithful yeah. and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's another promise related to what you just said. And so that's a good example too, of something that maybe people listening already believe a promise like that. Like if we confess, he really does forgive. Right. And you're describing doing that with each other too. Right. That's, that's the way promises ought to work where we use 
we use it, we depend on it. And the, the phrase that I really like is we plead the promises before God. Yeah. That we know and we trust that he has already said he will forgive. He's made every provision in his son, right? And so that should give us confidence that when we know we need to confess with each other to God, that we can do that in confidence. So I think, so this is where my brain immediately, I love that. I, I think then the question, Jeff, and maybe this is a really good, um, we can start landing this a little bit, is how then can we live in such a way that we are saturating ourselves in God's promises? Like, what does that look like for those who maybe are going, okay, that's great, but what are God's promises? What What is God's faithfulness? How would you uh, respond to somebody who goes, okay, wh- how do I... What does that look like? I would say that's that's an awesome question. I would say that the word of God, so the Bible, is that's what it is. It's a book of promises, full of them. And they're most effective when we depend on them in the very specific details of, of our life. That's why I keep going back there. So I would say, um, as you read the word, the next time you open it up, ask God, Lord, give me eyes to see the promises in this passage and then look for them and start to write them down. So that we just gave a couple examples of what that would look like in their more obvious ones, but sometimes there are promises that that are just more subtle or they're implied yeah. by what is said. But when you look at it that way, when you look at the word that way, it does become what is meant to be. So the word of God is not meant to be a book that we study in an academic fashion just so that we have information. You can right. do that. That's not bad, but it's meant to be really living right? It's a communication from a living God to us that we receive. And I think when you do look for promises in the way we're describing, you get to do that functionally. It it really, it does become God's word to us, his people that we can depend on in that way. So what, what do you think? What would you say? Like if, if someone in, you know, the youth said, where would I start? How would I do that? Yeah. I, so, I mean, I, you, it, it has to be directly connected to God's word because yes. that is like the, I've, I've told students this and I'll say it over and over again. Like, I feel like for so long we heard people ask the question, Oh, if God would just speak to me. If God, like, if I could just hear from God and we have, we have that, we have that at our fingertips and in, in no other time in history, we had it so readily available in so many different mediums. Um, and so my encouragement, I, I really like, um, uh, there's a, a podcast I enjoy listening to called Knowing Faith. So here's a, here's a plug. Knowing Faith, uh, it's a, the Village Church puts it out. Um, Jen Wilkin is a part of it. It's a great, great podcast. Check it out. Um, but they talk about the importance of reading scripture widely and narrowly um, and to take it in different mediums. I, I think that we, we kind of have this presupposition that we have to read the Bible the same way all the time. And, and, and honestly, I think that we do ourselves a disservice and we miss out on some of these promises because one, we, we, uh, we engage only in like these Bible studies that take a single book and like chop up each verse into tiny little sections. And we, we end up just kind of reading the Bible that way, or we just end up reading the Bible in like a year plan. We're reading it in big, um, in, in big chunks all at the same time. And there's, there's so many promises that when we read it, widely when we read the bible widely we we see this overall plan of god's redemption but then when we read it narrowly we see kind of these really specific ways um i would also say to different ways of digesting god's word so read it but then also audio like we we have so many so much access to audio bibles um which which is awesome and i know people out there who have been so blessed um 
by audio Bibles. Uh, so here's here's another plug, by the way. One of the, one that I love is Dwell. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dwell. Um, it's a Bible app. Um, it is a subscription. I would say it's worth it, especially if you're going to be listening to it regularly. Um, they have like a, a bunch of different ways you can listen to it. They really make it probably the best audio Bible experience you can get. But I I can't remember who said it, but but they were like, I felt really guilty about listening to the Bible because we were told for so long that we have to read it until I realized that that was how the first church got the Bible. They listened, they listened to it. There were letters that were passed around. And when those letters were delivered, they all gathered around and it was read out loud. They listened to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in the same way, different ways, uh, read it, listen to it. And of course, listen to it preached. Like make sure you're at church. If, if you're missing church, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to the Sunday sermon. I always encourage my students. I know for a teenager, they're like, really? Go back and listen to it? Yes, yes, go back and listen to it. Uh, it's worth it. It's worth it to hear God's word um, preached. So th- that would be my my encouragement. So I listen like, to it wide, listen to it narrow, and different mediums. Yeah, I, I like that. I like the audio thing too, because some people are going to be more naturally auditory learners as well. Right. And so there needs to be freedom that that's the way, you, the way that works best for you. And you can do that when you're doing other things too. I yeah. would say to get the word, to get from, so God's faithfulness is that big promise, like you were saying, the big, broad promise. Yeah, That's yeah. the promise. But then to get it to the point of like the nitty gritty of life into like we described uh, God's faithfulness with confession and forgiveness, and God's faithfulness with his presence and power. Yeah, yeah. To get it there, um, we need to be able to read it and then ask the question, I think, to ourselves and to God, how, how does this work in my life? And that often will require conversations with other people too. Yeah. So I would encourage, just like you were saying, confession among with each other. I would say one of the things that can really help is when we're getting in the word, doing that with other people. Because often other people can give us suggestions or ideas and see things that we didn't see, which sure. is beautiful yeah. and wonderful. Because it needs to really get fleshed out practically. It has to. For it to be effective that way. And and if his promises are good and true and right and they're the they're they are the the truth of the world not the promises of the world we we better be sad like we yes. that better be our driving force yes this so, is great man yeah this is this is good I, I I think unless you have any other you good all right I'm great all right cool land the plane <laughs> we will land the plane so um it, you know if this was a blessing to you we are so thankful for it it, it is it is a cool opportunity to be able to uh, do this podcast if you have any questions comments thoughts. I know uh, we would love to tackle them at some point. Um, so you can send us an email. I always forget what the email address is. is it, it's connect. Connect at, at faithpeshtigo.com. Okay, connect at faithpeshtigo.com. Uh, you can send us a Facebook message. Our website is faithpeshtigo.com. Um, anyway, if you, want, if you want to call us, whatever way, um, we would love to connect with you. We would love to be praying for you, and we'd love to tackle any sort of questions that you have. So uh, with all of that, grace and peace.